0: Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick.
1: Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm joined by Lieutenant Colonel Alan West at the Black Conservative Summit here in Tinley Park. Colonel West is the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union. He's a constitutional conservative, former member of Congress, and a combat veteran. With Joe Biden in the White House, can the U.S. win a war against China?
2: No, the United States will not be able to win any conflagration, uh, being in China, North Korea, Iran, Islamic Jihadism. Uh, and that just goes back to what we've seen With the debacle in Afghanistan, the fact that we do not have the retention and recruitment rates that we need in our military because no one wants to serve in a military that's more focused on cultural Marxism and a woke leftist ideological agenda of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then on top of that, you see the decimation of our capability and capacity, the fact that the United States Marine Corps does not have enough amphibious Uh, warships to be able to be deployed on their uh, 9-11, we call it, mission. And then on top of that, we have a Navy uh, that is suffering with uh, one of the smallest fleets that it's had in quite some time. To put it in perspective, during the Reagan administration, we had uh, probably over 550 surface warships. Now we're, I think the low point was 235. Now we're trying to get over 300. So we don't have the right type of leadership to be able to meet anyone on the battlefield and defeat them
1: too much wokism in the military right now, how does that undermine our national
2: defense? Well, you think about if you're a female troop in the military and the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, who is a retired four-star general, someone that I served with at Fort Bragg, North Carolina when he was a regimental commander in the 82nd Airborne Division, Uh, He sends a a memo out to the female troops saying that they have to prepare and be ready for biological males to be in uh, bathroom facilities, latrine facilities, head facilities, showers, what have you, uh, with them. That's not how you're going to make sure that we have a strong military or the fact that we want to have more of these diversity, equity, inclusion, civilian positions in the military reminds me of the old Soviet Union and the commissars that they used to have out there. And this whole culture of Marxism where we're telling one group of people in the military that they're an oppressor, and the other group, because of their skin color, they're oppressed. So no, we're going down the wrong path in our military. We're not getting out there and training and preparing people. And our adversaries see that. They know that. I mean, look at what just happened in Syria with a drone strike that killed a U.S. contractor and uh, wounded several other members of the military. We've seen uh, Russian aircraft flying over our bases in Syria. We've seen a Chinese spy balloon traverse across the United States of America, all because we don't have the right focus.
1: Well, if you've been president, would you have shot down those balloons a lot sooner?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, that balloon would have never made it uh, to, you know, once it crossed into our airspace, uh, it would have been taken down. And again, You know, this is not about sending a $400,000 missile. I mean, you could just poke some holes in it with, uh, you know, the Gatlin cannon on any of these, uh, you know, aircraft systems that we have, and you could have controlled the rate of descent. But you could have taken it down over Alaska, the Aleutian Islands. I mean, maybe you would have heard a moose, but to allow it to uh, transit across the entire United States of America to hover over, you know, very strategic missile bases up in Montana and uh, in the Dakotas, that's insane.
1: A lot of conservative commentators have weighed in on the situation, but goodness gracious, from your point of view, what kind of message does this send to China and our other adversaries?
2: It sends to them that there is a window of opportunity, that the United States of America is at a weak point. They, they can read our news, they, they hear the reports, they know about our lack of readiness and training, they know that we're not meeting our recruitment and retention goals, and so now is the time, as you see Xi Jinping you know, going and flying to the Middle East, brokering deals between Saudi Arabia and Iran, sitting down with Vladimir Putin. The threats to uh, Taiwan, North Korea is being more belligerent. The uh, resurgence of Islamic Jihadism because we gave them back Afghanistan. So that, once again, that's a terrorist hotbed. The fact that we have a wide open border, and so we are seeing Americans being killed and the chemical warfare attack, really, from China with fentanyl, terrorists are pouring across the border. The cartels, which are really a terrorist organization, have operational control of our border. Everyone realizes that right now is our moment. Whether or not the American people wake up from this slumber and restore this republic with the right type of leadership, that will be something that we will see in 2024.
1: You brought up Taiwan. Will China make a move against Taiwan before the
2: 2024 election? I think that's a very high probability because they know right now that they have invested heavily in the development of their maritime service fleet uh, and force. Uh, so we are not in a uh, position of strength. As Ronald Reagan would say, you get peace through strength, and, and we cannot do that. And so when you look at our economic situation and how we're not doing anything, to uh, to strengthen our economy. The inflation rate is horrible. The fact that the Federal Reserve continues to manipulate interest rates. We've got banks failing and all of these things. And you know, this Biden administration is asleep at the wheel. As a matter of fact, they have caused all of these issues and problems. So yes, I do believe that China will look at an opportunity to make a move on Taiwan.
1: Asleep at the wheel, or is this their grand plan.
2: It's part of both. Uh, Some people would say, is this intentional or incompetence, it's both. Uh, Socialism is about incompetence, but socialism can be an effective uh, ideology if you do not have a competent electorate, and so that's what we have allowed to happen, and so all of these debacles that we see, yes, it is intentional, and I think the other thing we have to be very concerned about is the fact that we have a compromised president. I mean, we're starting to learn more about the relationships of the biden family with china and why haven't we made any type of stronger response to china especially with the fentanyl issue which originates in china and it's the number one killer of americans 18
1: to 45. follow the money with the biden's right you
2: follow the money in any situation whatsoever but especially with the biden's and the clintons
1: (laughs) very true i want to get back to the idea of what's happening in our military, the Mm -hmm. the leftism. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's so entrenched. Can it ever be rooted out?
2: Of course it could be rooted out. And if there was one thing that I would say that President Trump did not understand is that the federal government is not like running your private business. It it is not like you sit up there as the president, CEO of the organization, and you do like Pharaoh Ramsey's, and you say, so let it be written, so let it be done, and everyone jumps and does it you've got second, third, and fourth level bureaucracies that you have to contend with. So it is not just about the person that you have as the head of some federal organization or bureaucracy that sits on the, in the cabinet position. It's about two, three, four, maybe five levels down. And I don't think President Trump did a good job of eradicating a lot of those bureaucratic levels. And so now we see the residual effect how that affected his administration, but now we see that it is deeply seated. Some people call it the deep state. I call it the bureaucratic administrative state. So the next president of the United States of America, and I pray it's a constitutional conservative, they've got to get in there and root out the leftism uh, that is in those levels of bureaucracies. Secretary of Defense on down, Department of Defense, Department of State, Dep- Department of Energy, Department of Education should you know should not exist. But all of those departments that we have out there, I mean, look at the ATF, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and some of the rules that they're coming out with, that really is seeking to make uh, Americans felons. And so, you know, we've got to get back to constitutional governance, which means that laws are made by a legislative branch. We don't have rules, regulations, mandates, edicts, orders, and decrees. That's how you are ruled over instead of governed.
1: I want to get back to the issue of the military, and it seems as though, all the indications are, they're trying to purge
2: conservatives and
1: Christians out of the military. This is a big mistake.
2: No, I mean, there there can be no doubt about it. When you look at this whole, you know, COVID shot thing, which was... Number one, unconstitutional. It was illegal. It was immoral. And it was unethical. Soldiers do not have to follow any order that they believe is immoral and illegal and unethical. And that's exactly what you had. You know, I served 22 years in the military. Yes, I had to get, you know, shots, vaccines, whatever, but that was because of diseases that were in, you know, areas that I was going to be deploying in. To tell someone that they have to take a shot because of a virus, which is what you know, COVID is, uh, you know, no one ever mandated to me in my time in the military, I had to take a flu shot. You know, I had the choice to take a flu shot or not. And so that harm that you saw there caused... And you me, still served well. I guess I served well and and, and I was pretty healthy. Uh, and I, so I do think that there was a means by which they could separate and get some people out of military and... and you know, back when I was in the military, I mean, I remember being a commander. I had a Bible on my desk. I mean, now you, you, you can't even do things like that. I mean, someone can complain about it. You know, we had a case at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, where a young black female Marine, uh, she was reprimanded because she had a Bible verse in her own little office space cubicle there, just a Bible verse, you know, that I believe it was Joshua 1.9. Be strong and of good courage. For well, the Lord thy God shall never leave you nor forsake you. Why wouldn't you want? So, I want to have a Bible verse like that in their cubicle, if, and they're a United States Marine. So, yes, I do see this uh, again, these DEI offices that are popping up. It's more so like commissars that are out
1: there. what's the danger of this just continuing, driving out conservatives, driving Christians
2: out of the military? What are the implications of that down and the road? The implications road? is that you have an ideological force. You don't have a United States military, you don't have a force that's focused on support and defending the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. You have a force that is out there really aligned with a certain political ideology and agenda to include this, you know, this wokeism, this gender dysphoria and all of these other things that undermine the good order and discipline. Look, in the United States military, this is a voluntary organization. And the United States military is a discriminatory organization. If you're too short, you can't join. If you're too fat and and overweight, you can't join. If you can't run a certain pace, you cannot be in the military. If you have flat feet, you cannot be in the military. If you suffer from asthma, you cannot be in the military. So why is it all of a sudden that we're being told in the United States military that a person that is confused about what gender they are, they're supposed to be able to, to join the military and taxpayers are supposed to be funding their therapies and things of this nature? No. We are not, should not have people that have a bona fide mental condition serving the United States military. That's just the truth. And now it's being taken to even further than that, where they're talking about the children of service members. If they are questioning their gender, they should be provided quote unquote gender affirming care, which is another way of saying gender mutilation surgeries and puberty blockers and hormonal therapies. So we have totally gone off the wall with what our military is supposed to be doing, and we've got to get it back to understand its core function and mission is to deploy, to fight, and to win. Deploy to fight and to win. The war
1: in Ukraine is that winnable? What's the best scenario, the best outcome that we could expect there?
2: Well, I think the war in Ukraine has, you know, pretty much become a World War One stalemate, and if it's just the status quo of Russia did not gain any territory. Russia is not able to expand what they already had. And understand, it was during the Obama administration when Russia came in and took eastern Ukraine, the Donbass region, and also Crimea. Their whole purpose a year ago was to take the rest of Ukraine. Uh, If it can be the point that they don't get the opportunity to do that, I think that's a win. Does the United States of America need to continue to send billions of dollars of taxpayer funds into Ukraine? No. Uh, the most important things that the United States of America can ensure that the Ukrainians have, number one, control of their airspace. They want MiG fighters. Let's get them MiG fighters. We need to give them the parity with artillery long-range systems. We've done that with the HIMARS. But we don't need to write them blank checks. But, again, I think it comes back to a president that's somewhat compromised. We need to be focusing on our own border. When you look at now we're having uh, almost a 1,000% increase of Chinese nationals coming across our border, that's very disconcerting. So let's focus on our border, let's focus on our own military capability and capacity.
1: Well, one could argue our involvement with Ukraine, the billions we're standing there, the munitions, the armaments, we're playing right into China's hands. They're draining us.
2: Yes, they, they are, and, and I think that's where you have to look at this strategically. And that's why Xi Jinping is going over there and sitting with Vladimir Putin. And they have the long ball strategy. And we don't need to get ourselves you know, involved in something that drains our resources, while China, and we talked about that earlier, can start preparing for uh, an eventual incursion against uh, Taiwan. So we need to be ready in all of our respective strategic areas of responsibilities. What do I mean by that? Pacific command, the, uh, the central command, which is the Middle East. We need to be concerned about what's happening in the southern command realm because Iran and, and China are making incursions into Latin America and, of course, through Central America, and we see what's happening along our border. The, the car- drug cartels, that terrorist organization is going to work with anybody that pays them, and I think that's why you see the fentanyl coming across the border.
1: This is Illinois Family Spotlight. We'll continue our conversation. With Lieutenant Colonel Alan West after this.
0: With a one-minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with a point. This month Washington State Lawmakers passed a bill that permits youth shelters to hide runaway youth who are seeking, quote, protected health care services like gender transitions and abortion. Shelters would not be required to notify families that are not supportive of these services. Instead, the shelter would report the youth to a state department which can make service referrals. Lawmakers claim the bill is necessary to, quote-unquote, protect minors who experience gender dysphoria and assume that children are better protected by the state than by their parents. Nothing could be further from the truth. Parents should not become suspects of the state for refusing their children something as harmful and irreversible as so-called transition procedures. There are times, of course, when the state has to step in to protect kids from abusive parents, but drastic measures should be the exception, not the presumption, especially when it's over a brand new harmful ideology that the rest of the world is now backing off from. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street.
1: Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larry here at the Black Conservative Summit, joined by none other than Lieutenant Colonel. Alan West, what are you up to these days?
2: Oh, about five foot nine. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm the executive director for the American Constitutional Rights Union. Uh, it's an organization that's been around for about 27, 28 years. Founding board member was Ronald Reagan's Attorney General Edwin Meese. And uh, one of the, uh, the initial uh, presidents of the organization was Robert Carlson, who was also part of the Reagan administration. So it's really a pleasure and honor to be able to travel around the country and speak about constitutional issues. And then I also am the national spokesperson for My Faith Votes. Uh, Because the Christian community has to start voting their their values and voting according to their faith and what they profess to believe in. So it's great to be with those two organizations. And I do some speaking for Young America's Foundation. I was recently out at the Reagan Ranch Center in Santa Barbara talking to some really great young uh, conservative high school students.
1: You talked about uh, Christians need to start voting their biblical values. Yes. Too often I think we say, oh, black Christians need to do that. But it's just not black Christians. No, it's the body Uh, of Christ. Right.
2: It's the whole body of Christ. But I will tell you that if you look at the black community as a microcosm, uh, I mean, you can see what happens when pastors don't stand up for what they supposedly are preaching in the pulpit and what they're allowing to happen. Uh, We're here in Chicago and all you have to do is look and see what is going on in Chicago. The, the fatherlessness that is out there. And then of course the, the crime and the black on black killings and the murdering of unborn babies in the womb. All of these things are the results of policies from the progressive socialist left. And between Margaret Sanger and uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson his Great Society programs, we have seen the decimation of the black community and we need pastors in the black community and pastors all across all communities. They're going to stand up and and start speaking out against this. We need people in the body of Christ to run for city council, run for school board, most important elected position in the country school board. I think we're starting to understand why county commission every all of these things that we've got to stop with this belief that Christians are not supposed to get engaged in electoral activity because we have to. Because we're supposed to be subject to righteous governance, not just any government, but righteous governance, and that's critical. And I always tell people, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego—they didn't say, "Yeah, you know, we'll just put our faith to the side, we'll kneel down, and we'll pray according to what you guys are saying." No, if we got to go and be thrown into the fiery furnace for for our faith and what we believe in, we'll do that.
1: You mentioned that Christians need to run for government office. Well. Do you have any other political ambitions?
2: Well, we'll see what the Lord has as in store. You know, I just want to be a good, obedient servant to God and country, and we'll see what comes down the pipe.
1: OK. You also talked about uh, school boards. Yes. We at the Illinois Family Institute believe that these schools are beyond repair, these government schools. Mm-hmm. And the Christians, in particular, need to get their kids out of government schools look to homeschooling or strong Christian schools. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, I I don't want us to completely give up on that and understand that the first person that really codified state control of education in black and white was Karl Marx in the Communist Manifesto. That was one of his planks. But we need to get out there and run for these positions because we should not just cede over that territory. We need to fight them. But also, we need to be in a policy-making position in our school boards, in our state house and state senate, so that we can have more parental choice and we can have more educational freedom that is out there. But again, I think that we have to be engaged from a policy side of the house and not just abandon it. And I think it's critical that we do start looking at alternative methods of making sure that our children are properly educated, But then you also have to be in these positions of governance and policy so that you can be protected. Like I said, the school boards, state house, state senate, city councils, county commissions even.
1: You also have brought up something else, problem of fatherlessness, particularly in the African-American community. But I I think it's a growing problem in the white community as well.
2: Yeah, it's a growing problem across the country, but I, I think it was intentional in the black community, and it has really been exacerbated in the black community. You know, Lyndon Johnson, when he created the Great Society program of you know, giving a check to a woman that has a child out of wedlock, regardless of how many children she has out of wedlock, as long as she does not have a working man in the home, that was intentional, and look what has happened. As a matter of fact, there was the liberal New York Senator Daniel Patrick Monahan, he counseled against that. As a matter, he wrote a book called the Negro family, and he was absolutely vilified and attacked by the left uh, because he stood up against that policy. But he was right, and he predicted exactly what we see happening.
1: What role can government and the church play in dealing with this fatherlessness problem?
2: Well, I think you see that the government is the reason why we have the problem so i think the church is the means by which we can rectify that problem and the church really has to start seeking to rectify many of the problems that we see out there that we have allowed the government to come in and to take over look when i grew up and i grew up in the inner city of atlanta georgia you know the church was you know the end-all be-all as a young person for me i mean during the summer you had the church retreat camps uh if you weren't playing you know sports at your local school or high school you had church league uh, for basketball, for, for baseball, and all of these things. The church was engaged and involved in the community. And the pastors were out there talking about all of these you know, social and cultural ills that were creeping into the community. And now, for whatever reason, they've just taken a back seat. Or they are allowing others to come in with an ideology that is the antithesis of our faith and what the church should be doing. And that has changed the stature and the staying of the church, especially in the black community.
1: Speaking of the black community, what do conservatives need to do to
2: broaden their base? Be there. They got to be there. Okay, you know, too often what we do is we ramp up for an election cycle and then we disappear. You got to have constant engagement. You you know, you got to have a strategic plan. You got to have a strategic communications plan and we should be just bombarding. It's kind of like you know, back in the day in the military when you used to drop leaflets all over the enemy, and that's what we did in Desert Shield, Desert Storm. We've got to bombard it with this information, with the real truth, because right now you have manipulated uh, narratives out there. I mean, this whole systemic racism and race and this and that, I mean, this is, again, cultural Marxism. The real purveyors of systemic racism in this country it's come from the Democrat Party. I mean, we can go through history and, and look and see what they have done and what they, how they have destroyed the black community with their policies intentionally. So we've got to start talking about these things. We've got to start, you know, bringing up, you know, the history of great black heroes and people that have a constant, Booker T. Washington. Our kids don't know who Booker T. Washington was. Why? Because the left does not want them to know about Booker T. Washington. Who was the first black colonel? in the United States uh, military, they won't know. Charles Drew, who who discovered blood plasma. I mean, we've got to start going back and telling these stories of all these incredibly great people, George Washington Carver, and the things that they did, even though they lived in hard times and situations. Yes,
1: These things need to be talked about that you just discussed. Two more questions. If America does not elect a constitutional conservative in 2024, mm-hmm. What happens to America?
2: Uh, down south we call it Katie Barter the door because we cannot survive another four years of this. Economic policy, fiscal policy, monetary policy, national security policy, foreign policy, energy policy, everything. We, we cannot survive another four years of progressivism, socialism, Marxism, statism, communism, which has really crept into the United States. What are a couple hopeful signs for America? What gives you hope? The fact that America always seems to do, as Winston Churchill said, he said, you can always count on Americans to do what is right after they have tried everything else. And I believe that's what's going to end up happening. We, for whatever reason, we're like the kid that you say, uh, don't touch the hot stove, but yet we had to touch the hot stove, and now we figured out it, it hurts, it burns. But we've got to remind people about that, because we do have uh, short-term memory, and we've got to get them to understand that These things will continue to perpetuate and permeate themselves throughout this country if we don't make the right type of decision. That comes back, again, to what you asked me as far as president. We have to have someone that can be focused on the issues and not focus on the politics of personal destruction and all the drama.
1: And one more question. How do people connect with Lieutenant Colonel... Allen West.
2: Well, you can connect with me on all the social media platforms except TikTok, because I don't support the Chinese Communist Party, the acru.org, which is the American Constitutional Rights Union. And then also we have a podcast called Steadfast and Loyal. So please tune in.
1: I'm going to tune in. All right. Thank you so much, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. Thank you for your service to our country. Thank you, Monty. God bless you. God be with you. All right. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. Please support the work of Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless.
0: For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback@ifiaction.org. at